for the young ones to go down the hall if they want to do that. As the rest of us will get ready for get ready for our message this morning. Uh, Ephesians chapter five. That'll be where I'm going to be. As we get started. Before I do get started, I, I did. I, I knew I was thinking of another announcement. Um, if it were, what I'm going to do, probably I'll have it up there by this evening. But I'm, we need to we need to start thinking about uh, getting some volunteers in and nurseries. So if we can get enough people to take turns, that would be helpful. So that if there's any of any of the babies that are here that want to go down there, that we would be provide, providing that kind of thing for them. So just keep that in mind if you're willing to take a Sunday and sit back there. And the more that sign up to volunteer, the less often everybody has to do it. You know, we don't want anybody missing church every Sunday to do it. So we want to take, we want to, as a church, take care of that. Not an urgent situation, but we're trying to work our way in that way because we're going to plan on the Lord bringing some other families here, and we're going to have a greater need than what we have now. So just kind of think about that. And if you're one that would be able to volunteer for one Sunday at a time, then that would be a good thing. All right, Ephesians chapter five, y'all. In case you haven't noticed, there's a lot of craziness going on in the world. There's a lot of problems. There's a lot of hardship. Uh, there's just a lot of things that are happening uh, because we live in a world that's contaminated by some of the uh, consequences of sinful behavior and others is, of it is just wicked people doing wicked things to other people. And that's just the way the world is. It's the way the world always has been since Adam and Eve. And it's not what God intends. That's why we have Jesus. Amen. All right. So uh, what I want to talk about is how do we navigate or how do we continue to not only just survive, not only just live in a world that's full of this kind of wickedness or evil, but how do we thrive as the church? How do we continue to be the light in, in a dark world? And I'm not saying that every part of this world is dark and evil. I'm saying that there's a lot of darkness and evil and wickedness happening around the world and even in our own midst. And it's it's easy to fall into a uh, a, a state of worry over all of it. But I think God would have us do something different than to just fall into fear and worry as our hearts would instigate uh, a tendency to do, our knee-jerk reaction would be. What I think the Lord would want us to do is to show the kingdom of God to the world in the middle of it all, in spite of it all, because of it all, Right? And the big question is, is how, how do we do that? How, and it's not that easy, I, I imagine, unless we have the Spirit of God involved. Then it becomes less work for us. All the work is given to Him. Right? So we're going to look at Ephesians, the letter to the Ephesians. He's giving a lot of instruction throughout the, the book of Ephesians, the letter to the Ephesians, about living as children of the light or living as Christians, letting your light shine in the darkness and fleeing from the wickedness of the world. I want to zero in on verse 15 of chapter 5, and we'll read the verse 18. You're with me. So we're going to walk carefully because the times are evil. Here we are, verse 15 to 18. Be careful then, verse, uh, verse 15, be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish. But understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, 
which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit or with the Spirit. It's a short piece taken out of a bigger section of what Paul is saying to the Ephesians. But I want to, sometimes you got to zero in and focus on a point that he's making in the middle of it all so that we would have proper tools to be able to do what God's called us to do as believers. And I think everybody in the room would say, if you want to serve God well, you would all say, yes, I do. Right? That's what I'm after. That's what, that's what Jesus died for. Jesus died so that you and I could be the witness in the world, so that we could be saved and then go into the world and tell people that he is the Messiah. So there's a few things that we can focus on, especially in verse 10 and 16 to start with. We can say, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. So Paul's saying, use your time wisely as believers. I think, I think it's um, easy for, especially new believers, it might be easy for all of us, really, to just get in the habit of living in what we call a rat race. We got our schedules, we got our things going on. And we could even get so far into that that we'd kind of neglect the witness a bit. We kind of neglect the evangelism uh, ministry that we've been called to. And I don't know that many people intend to do that, but I think life is busy, and I think it comes with its problems, and I think that Satan works his magic in your hearts and in your minds, and it causes us to, to slip away from the task at hand. Because I'm thinking about all of the things that are going on around the world. Uh, we got, we're got we praying for people in Afghanistan right now. We're praying for people in Ukraine right now. We're praying for people in Arden, North Carolina right now. <laughs> you know, people are all around the world, all throughout the country. We're praying for everybody. And I think that's great, and I think it's absolutely necessary for us to call out to the Lord about those things because, after all, those believers in those situations are our brothers and sisters in Christ, and we would want them to pray for us, right? However, I don't think that God wants us to ignore our own mission field while doing that, right? Because there's, there's people that are dying and going to hell right here, right? So in the meantime, we say to the Lord, hey, God, there's believers over there. Will you give them these tools that we're reading about in this particular part of Scripture? Will, will you let them use their time wisely so that they might have wisdom and serve you well in the middle of their hardship and their persecution and their life-threatening situations. It's hard to realize, isn't it? Because really we haven't had our life threatened in the way that they are. We haven't had our life challenged. We haven't had our faith challenged in the ways that some of these other believers around the world there's, there's people in Africa that are having their faith challenged every single day by their own government. Right? So yes, we need to lift them up in prayer and we need to seek the Lord for them on behalf of them. But at the same time, what's happening in our community is just as important and just as urgent. Those, the believers that live right here in this community are in just as much danger as any place else. The people who are not believers people who have rejected the gospel, the people who refuse to give in to the truth, if they leave this world right now, they will be gone from the eternity in the presence of God. 
Is that not urgent? So what do we do? What I mean, I know that all of us care about that. I believe that everybody who's listening to me right now, who's a believer, really care about those who are lost and our neighbors who are uh, maybe falling away from the Lord or those who are uh, a little bit behind on where they should be in their spiritual walk. I think we really do care about it. Sometimes we just don't know what to do. So we need wisdom. I need wisdom. Right? There's people that are close to me that I wish I, I wish I had a magic word that I could say to them that would make them say yes to Jesus. Because if they leave this world today, that will be the last time I ever see them again. We all have those people in our lives, don't we? We need wisdom. So we're careful how we spend our time. How do we seek the Lord? How will I spend my life? I've already had 50 years. I'm working on the 51st year. I might get 70, 80, 60. I might get 100. I don't know. I might only get 51. Who knows? The question is, how am I spending my time in reference to working for the gospel? In reference to serving the one who died for me? The one who uh, shed his blood on the cross so that all who would believe in him could be saved? How am I spending my time in a way that enhances my witness? How can I be the most effective when it comes to uh, going into the world and, and sharing the gospel? I don't want to be unwise. I want to be wise. I want to make the most of every opportunity. I started realizing I was called to preach when people started coming to me who weren't believers asking me about the Bible or asking me about God or asking me about Jesus or even asking me why am I saved. And I, I realized I didn't even have an answer most of the time, and it kind of scared me. Then I started, I, I started looking at the Bible. I'm like, okay, well, i got to figure out how to explain this to people because they're asking me. And I have to be able to tell them why I believe what I believe and who God is and why I believe He is who He is. It's part of who we are. It's our mission. It's our mission. It's our, it's our ministry. Be careful how you spend your time. Are you prepared to take the gospel into the world? Do you have the wisdom that God has provided for you so that you would have the answer to people who ask, why do you believe what you believe? How do I know God is real? How do I know the gospel is true? What do I do when the world is falling apart around me? Do we have the wisdom to share with them? Not your wisdom, God's wisdom. The wisdom that comes freely just because we ask Him. We seek His word. We cry out to Him, tell me what to do. Give me words to say. There's been times, and I think this has happened to all of us, there's been times in our lives when God has used us in great ways in someone else's life, and we weren't prepared for it, but the Spirit of God just gave us words to say or moved us in a certain way that was a blessing to them in a way that they recognized that God was involved. Maybe even for the first time in their life. You don't know what God is doing. It's, it's, it's kind of a scary situation, things that happen in the world that are out of our control. Here in our country and in other countries, all around the world, in our homes, in our communities. 
think that, I think that God wants us to be the witness in it all. He wants us to show Christ throughout all of it, whether things are great or whether things are bad, whether things are not so apparently evil or if things are evidently and overwhelmingly evil in our world. Because here's the fact, and I think you would all agree, that Jesus is coming back. One day, Jesus will show up. And then it's all over for everybody. You're either in or you're out. God loves us all, but not all of us will love him. And we don't know when that will be. We don't know the schedule. There's, many, there's a bunch of people asking me even today, yesterday and today, sending me messages. Do you think that all of this war that's going on around the world now is the end times? There's evidence of I don't know the answer to that question. But I, I certainly can't say I don't think it is because I don't know. All I know is if it is, we all need to get it figured out. We all need to get right. We all need to be right. We all need to believe what we say we believe and live what we say we believe. Why? Because the days are evil, y'all. That's what it says right there. Take, take advantage of every opportunity. It don't take much sometimes to be a witness, to love somebody. It don't take much to uh, be a witness to your neighbor. Sometimes a witness is actually correcting someone or standing firm in what's true and not putting up with what's not true in a way that's loving and gentle but at the same time firm. Not hanging out with those who are doing things that are evil or wicked and say, you know what, I'm not going to be a part of this. I'm going over here. Let me know when you want to do something else. I'll come hang out with you again. It can happen that way. Or sometimes it's just being a neighbor or a friend or a family member in a time of need. Sometimes just crying with somebody when they're hurting. Sometimes it's standing up on Sunday morning and worshiping with all your heart because you know you got brothers and sisters who might die today and they're doing the same thing no matter what at the same time. I, I can promise you they're over there worshiping right now because they love God and they trust God. And this is not their home not our home. We need to be the same witness. We need to be the same witness here as they are over there. We need to lift them up. They need to lift us up. You have to skillfully apply God's word to your life. That's wisdom. You don't just get wisdom and do nothing with it. You take, you take opportunity to let the spirit of God apply it in your life so that it would come out in the lives of others. We're the ones, when the world is falling apart and everybody's afraid, we're the ones who are supposed to be strong. We're the ones who are supposed to say, it's okay, God has this. Because of this, this, and this, we find in the Word. And we stand firm, even though we're afraid too, but we're not giving in to the fear. We're trusting God. And I, don't, I know, I'm, I'm confident that our God is bigger than any wickedness that could ever happen in this world. And he will handle what needs to be handled. Meanwhile, we need to be about the Lord's business. We need to be about living out the wisdom that we receive from God through his word, through his Holy Spirit in our lives so that wisdom can be shared. 
let's look at uh, let's look at these two uh, this, these verses here. Proverbs chapter nine verse ten says, "The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is under is understanding." It seems to me like a person who would live in fear all the time, not a person who's who who is afraid, but a person who is living in fear and overtaken by fear at every turn of the storm. They're not fearing God. Because they're not trusting that God is bigger than any storm that could ever happen in our life. I trust that God is bigger than anything in this world. He's bigger than any problem that could ever come into my life. Any heartache, any, any, any hardship. He's bigger than all my sins put together. Thank God. Because we fear God, we can stand in the face of evil and wickedness with boldness and confidence that our God is bigger. Isn't that great? And I can promise you there's people around the world that are standing in that same faith. Look at Psalm 90, verse 12. This is Moses, part of Moses' prayer. He says this in his prayer. He says, teach us to number our days aright that we may, look, gain a heart of wisdom. Not a mind of wisdom. Not knowledge or intellect a heart of wisdom. That the, the, the truth of God's Word is alive and well in our hearts through the presence of His Holy Spirit. Isn't that great? We're talking about the power and the authority and everything that comes with God alive in us as believers. What in the world could come against the church if this is true? What in the world could bring the church uh, uh, to its knees in fear if this is true. I say the things, the wickedness and the evilness and the hard times of the day come into our lives and it brings us to our knees in prayer, not to our knees in fear. Because God is the one who changes things. He's the one who deals with things. He's the one who gives us what we need to persevere and survive and overcome and conquer. That's our God. That's the one that I serve. That's the one who died for me and for you. Isn't that great, y'all? This is supposed to be exciting, by the way. I hope this is exciting to you. Because I'm going to say, we can look at the news all day long, every day, and we can be in the darkest hole of depression if we allow it. But I suggest we look at the Word of God way more than we look at the, the news. And we'll find ourselves standing firm in the faith, just like Jesus died for us to be able to do. And we would be uh, much more closer to God than we ever thought we ever could be. And we'll be singing songs and worship Him in a way that would glorify Him to the world. And God would fill us the way He wants to fill us. Then we can take advantage of every opportunity. Because then we're walking close to God. Then we have the word that God would give us. Then we have the stamina to stand firm even though we're weak and and tired and weary and maybe even a little bit afraid. Because we know God is God. Colossians chapter 4 verse 5, I'll just read uh, what it talks about. It says, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Ephesians and Colossians, those two letters go hand in hand. Right? They're, they're, They're written the same way making the same point. Make the most of every opportunity. Don't waste whatever years God would give you to live in this world. 
do not, there's nothing wrong with leisure time. There's nothing wrong with vacation, enjoying your family, or just taking time to yourself, being quiet. It's not like you have to be preaching the gospel on the street corner every moment of your life. What I'm asking you is, how many hours of social media are we spending, and how is it helping us preach the gospel? How many television movies are we watching, or how much uh, time are we spending talking to the neighbors about things that don't have anything to do with our witness? All of us are guilty. I'm number, I'll stand first in line. We're all guilty at, at that. If Jesus is coming back soon, which we believe he is, I don't know what soon means, but it's soon, then we don't have time to waste, do we? And your loved ones who aren't saved might not be here tomorrow. You might not be here tomorrow. We take advantage of every opportunity to praise God, lift his name, and stand in truth. Here's the next thing, verse 17. Check this out. Yeah. Verse 17 says, Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Now, I think that's simple instruction. And I think it's instruction that most people would receive because nobody wants to be a fool. At least on purpose. Nobody's really trying hard to be a fool. At least I don't think they would be. It tells you how to fix the problem, right? If you feel like you're being foolish, <coughs> excuse me, if you feel like you're being foolish, the way to fix it is look, look for the Lord's will. How do we find the Lord's will? Once again, he's provided everything we need. It's all in here. It's all in his word. It's all in his truth. And with the help of the Holy Spirit, he reveals that truth to us, and it can be applied to our life. And if we're living by the truth, which is God's will, then we don't have to worry about being foolish in the eyes of God. I don't care what people think, right? I care a little bit about what y'all think as far as whether I'm being foolish or not. Because I love y'all, and y'all, I think y'all love me, right? So I don't really want to be foolish in front of you because I don't want your preacher to look foolish, and I don't want y'all to carry that around. But in the end, I really care about what God thinks about me as a man and as a preacher. I care about what God thinks about you as a person in Christ, as a witness, <clears throat> about who, how you're carrying the gospel into this community. I care that God looks at you and is pleased with what he's able to do in your life, not, not only for you, but for everybody, for the other believers and for the community. That's what I care about. But you shouldn't care what your preacher thinks. You should care about what God thinks, whether you're foolish or not. Because sometimes the preacher's wrong. Hello? You can say, hey, man, I know I'm wrong sometimes. <laughs> sometimes the preacher's wrong, y'all, about things. Sometimes I don't get it right. Sometimes I make judgments that are just wrong, and I'm sorry. That's why we have to care about what God thinks when it comes to are we foolish or are we living in his will. That's what it comes down to. I don't know what's going to happen around the world in all these situations. There's situations we don't even know about that are, going, that are bad, it, wicked and evil. And I don't know how they're going to turn out. I don't know what God's doing. I don't even know why he allows certain things the way he does for as long as he does. All I know is he's got his reasons and he's in control. And, you know, as far as I'm concerned, 
and from my experience, my personal testimony, sometimes it takes tragic events for God to get my attention. Because I'm stubborn, just like everybody else. Sometimes God has to let things happen, so I say, oh, guess I better look at what God's doing. Guess I better call on the Lord. That's a wise thing to do, because it's foolish to ignore the Lord. Don't be foolish. Don't be unwise. Seek the Lord. Look for His will. Make the most of every opportunity. You have to understand His will first, then you can apply it. When we look at the gospel, when we look at the gospel message, I think it's very clear what God's will is. I think it's God's will that we would all repent and receive the blood of Christ as a gift that's given to us because of his great love for us. I think that his will is that all people would recognize his, his, his kingship, his lordship over all of creation and humble ourselves and receive what he's done for us. That's what I think his will is. I think it's his will that we would all be forgiven of our sins. I think it's his will that we would all repent and say, I don't want to be an enemy of this holy God any longer. I don't want to live like that anymore. I think it's God's will that we would be baptized, immersed for the forgiveness of our sins, just as the scripture instructs us and gives us wisdom to do. Not because it's what saves us, it's because that's the process God put in place for us to receive forgiveness and the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's the wisdom that comes from His Word. I think that's His will. Then I think His will is that we would receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and continue to walk in the Holy Spirit, as is described in the rest of Ephesians. The Holy Spirit is not just to take up a spot on the couch of your heart. He's there to take over. He's there to run the show. He's there to give you what you need and more than what you need. He's there to to help when you're weak and more than when you're weak. He's there to instruct you when you're uh, needing wisdom and then more. He's there to correct you when you're wrong and then more. That's the Holy Spirit. That's our God. Isn't it great? He's thought of everything. He's thought of it all. I don't even think he had to spend any energy to think of it all. He's God. He's God of He's God of all creation. I think it's his will that we submit to his lordship. I think it's his will that we be committed to the body of Christ. You don't get saved and then go on and be the church by yourself. Believers are part of other believers' lives. We serve the God, we serve God together. We We work together. We praise God together. We pray together. We fellowship together. We hurt together. All around the world in God's church. I think it's God's will that we live in harmony with other believers. When we have uh, discussions that are problematic, we work at it together as if we're working with Christ's children. Because we are. We love each other because we all belong to God. We look at each other and we say, there's a brother or sister in Christ, and that person belongs to God. I have absolutely no right to disrespect that person in any way. 
which helps us work ourselves into where we can work out differences. Nothing wrong with having differences. Nothing wrong with having uh, conflicts as long as we don't allow Satan to have his way. I think that's God's will, that we show the world that we're human beings trying to get it right, but we have him. We have the Spirit of God that helps us do it right. Not work out that perfect, but we have God. I think it's God's will that we be, we, we be committed to his glory being shown around the world. We think about it that way. It's almost impossible for a person who's in Christ to even consider that anything would be about self. Right? Because then we, every, every one of us has to sit back and say, well, then how come I keep doing that from time to time? How come I keep thinking about it about me sometimes? Because sometimes it's, we do. Right? Lord, help me. Lord, help me. Lord, fix this. Lord, fix my problems. Okay, but it's nothing wrong with those prayers. But if that's all the prayers you have, you've missed the whole picture. Because everybody in this room has got their own things that, that they're lifting up to God. And we should be praying about those things too, which we do. We have a whole list of people in this church that we pray for week, all week. And God does some great things in those prayers, doesn't he? We've got some good reports lately. And we should be praising God about that. We got people right now that are waiting for things to, to be answered, waiting for to see how God's going to work. We got people that are preparing for procedures. We got people that are living in a world, right? That they're facing things that are fearful. And when when you're weak, it takes the rest of the body of Christ to bring these tools into your life. Into your life and lift you up and hold you up, just like they hold, held Moses' arms up because he was getting tired. They held his arms up. That's what we do. So hopefully this last point is the obvious point at this point. I said point way too many times. It says this in verse uh, verse 18, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. This morning in our study with 1 Timothy, in our Bible study this morning, it talked about the same, it made the same point to Timothy about uh, not being drunk on wine. However, uh, I think the point here is not necessarily to be focused on the consumption of wine or alcohol. It's more about what is controlling you. What are you surrendering control of your life to? And just like any other good teacher throughout the scriptures, they will use pictures, word pictures, to help people associate what he means. When we're supposed to not only follow the Spirit of God, not only surrender to the Spirit of God, but we're walking with the Holy Spirit. We're being filled with the Holy Spirit. Which means we're totally surrendered and He is running the show. I think it's great. I think it's awesome because then I don't have, I don't have to make the hard decisions anymore. I don't have to figure out what to do. I don't have to be in charge. And why am I so excited about that? Because it's, this is kingdom business, y'all. We're working for the Lord. We're carrying, we're carrying the truth of the gospel to the world. That's some small responsibility. And if I had to make all the decisions to figure out how to do this effectively in the way God would want me to do it, I'm guaranteed to fail. 
because I'm not all that. And neither are you. This is why we need Jesus. You can't do it without Jesus. You can't do it without the Holy Spirit in your life. You can't do it without being completely surrendered to the Holy Spirit. Being what, what, what he would describe as drunk on the Holy Spirit. Remember, remember in Acts, uh, I, think it was, I think it was Acts chapter 2, it was one of the times in Acts where uh, the fellows were preaching the gospel filled with the Holy Spirit and they came and they started accusing him of all of them of being drunk. These guys are, I think it was Acts chapter 2, he said, these guys are drunk. And Peter was like, uh, dude, it's 9 o'clock in the morning. How could I be drunk? It's only, it's only 9 o'clock. But they were acting in a, in, a, in a way that caused people to believe they weren't in control of themselves. And they were correct. They were not in control of themselves. They were in, under, under the control of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit was preaching the truth for the first time. And thousands of people heard the gospel and repented. How many people you all think live right here in this five-mile radius? Thousands? How many people live near your home? Your family? is living submitted to the Lord and, and, and surrendering to the, the, the Lordship of the Holy Spirit and the control of the Holy Spirit. How many people are being touched by God because the Spirit of God is in control of you in your home? That's what it's about, y'all. It's not just about coming up here and getting baptized and saying, I believe, and we sing a song, and everybody's happy. It's about living the way Jesus died for us to live. Totally surrendered to His Spirit. It's difficult. It's difficult because we, like Paul, we're like, yeah, but I like to do this. And I know it's wrong, but... I told you all what a yabbit is a long time ago, I think. Anybody not know what a yabbit is? It's okay if you don't because I just made it up. I made it up when, I, when my son was young, really young because he would always argue with me about, not always, he would argue with me a lot about something that he wanted, and I told him no, whatever. And I would explain to him why I said no, and he would say what? Yeah, but. What that means is you agree with the authority, but you want to go do something else anyway. There's no yabbits when it comes to following the Spirit of God in our life, or the Word of God in our life. There's no, you don't say to God, yeah, but. I agree with you, God. I believe this is absolutely true. And this is how I should live. But for the moment, I want to go over here. Or do that, or do this. Or it might not apply. We make all kinds of excuses. We are masters at justifying our behavior. And it's not Satan's fault. We do that. I found in my personal life that the, the more I walk with God, the closer I am to Him. The more I tune into what the Spirit is doing in my life, the closer I get to Him. The more I notice the things that He's doing that normally I wouldn't notice. And 90%, 95% of the time, what the things that He's doing in my life are really for other people. I, I just get some residual blessing most of the time, which I think I'm, that's great. Make sense? It's an ongoing thing, being filled with the Spirit. It's something that happens all the time. It's not something that you check in and check out of. It's not like He shows up and then He goes away. He's there. He lives there. That's, what, that's why you have new life in Christ. 
the old sinner person was dead and buried. That's what baptism represents, y'all. When we come out of the waters of baptism, it represents us coming to new life filled with the Holy Spirit. It's, awesome. it's, a, it's an awesome thing to think about. It's a command. It's not, it's not something you can just say, I don't, that's not part, I don't want to do that. I want to be saved, but I don't want to do that part. No, it's, all, it's, a, it's a total package. You can't reject the Spirit of God and accept the Son of God. You can't accept either one if you don't accept the Father. You can't reject the Father if you want to receive the other two. It's a total package. Verses 19 and 21, which I'm not even sure I put them on here. Nope. Let's look at verses 19 and 21. Sorry about that. Verse 19 and 21 says, Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to, the, to, to God the Father for everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then finally in verse 21 he says, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is the part that I changed last night as I was thinking about things going on around the world. And I'm watching people who believe like I do underground singing worship hymns together. It's evidence that God has been living in your heart when that happens. The way that we exist in the, in the, in the hardest times is evidence. It's the fruit of the Spirit that's alive in us. They didn't just start singing songs in that subway tunnel yesterday. Those believers have been singing praises to God most of their lives, no doubt. Those believers have been studying His Word most of their lives, no doubt. Those believers have been talking to God and following the Spirit of God for quite some time. They're prepared. They gained wisdom. And they took advantage of every opportunity to grow in Christ and be the witness so that in this moment they could stand before God and say, You are great. When it would be real easy to just sit back and huddle in the spiritual fetal position asking God, where are you and why are these bad things happening? I'm like you guys. It, get, it makes me angry. What Satan does to people. What wicked people do to other people. But if that's all I feel, then I've missed my own spiritual walk with Christ. Because I see God doing some awesome things in the middle of all of this with whatever you want to name. I was trying to, I was looking on the internet, I was trying to find out all of the, the different conflicts around the world, the different problems around the world for the last 20 years. And how wicked people were doing wicked things to other people. And 
started reading through that list because I, I was going to use it this morning to share with you that this has been going on and it's always been going on and it'll keep going on. But the list was too long to stand up here and read. We got work to do today for the kingdom and we got to tell each other off. Right? <laughs> so we can't stand up here all day. All I have to say, I hope, is that this is not anything new to God. Whatever this is, you fill in the blank. Whatever's on your heart to pray for, whatever the Spirit of God has put on your heart to pray for, lift it up to God. And then make every, uh, make it, take advantage of every opportunity. Just, just let the Spirit of God remind you, okay, these things are bad. And they're wicked. And they make me mad. But that means wickedness is going to continue. And Jesus might come back. And I ain't got a whole lot of time to mess around. Because people are dying and going to hell. And they don't have to. There's, there's young people that are believing the lies this world is telling them about Christianity and the truth. And it's a tough battle because they won't listen. They won't consider the truth because they know better. Not realizing they're foolish. Not because they're young people, because they're not believing the truth. We don't want them to be foolish. It's all fun and games until somebody goes to hell. It's hard to stand in front of somebody you love and just say the truth sometimes. What you believe is wrong. And here's why. I love you and the Lord loves you, and I'm telling you this because I don't want you to die and go to hell. Sometimes that's what it takes. Not always, but sometimes. And it's hard to say it because there are children or our brothers and sisters or our, 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 our cousins or aunts or uncles or even our own parents. How are you going to go to your own parents and say something like that? Are we taking advantage of every opportunity? Are we walking careful, carefully in this evil world? There are going to be storms, and storms are, are, are more, prom, more uh, they happen more often than calm times. We need to know how to navigate as believers. We need to know how to walk in this world in a way that shines God's light brightly. Because the, the, believe it or not, there are people looking for what is true. I have a hard time with that sometimes because it's so dark out there and there's so many that just flat out reject. And I have to remind myself, there are some that are listening. There are some that will hear. And it doesn't matter how many that's all in God's hands. Just keep doing the work. Are you using your time wisely? Are you understanding God's will? Are you being filled with the Holy Spirit? Are you keeping up with Him? Are we serving people? Are we serving one another? Because that's what Jesus came here to do, isn't it? This, the last time he came, he said, I came here to serve and not be served. And if I'm going to be like him, the best way I'm going to shine the light in the darkness is to serve those that can't see. 
because of the doubt. Whether they believe the truth or not, love them again. Keep putting the truth in front of them to take advantage of everyone. I love you. And I know the Lord And you guys are awesome folks. And I see God doing some great things in all of you. And it's hard not to get discouraged and it's hard not to be afraid. Because it seems like one thing after another gives us reason to have fear. And even sometimes give up hope. But we have God. God is our Lord. And I I hope that encourages you. I know it to be true. If you don't know Jesus, y'all ready? Let's, let's get ready to sing. If you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, that's where it starts. If you don't have the confidence that I have in our God, all you have to do is acknowledge that He's the Lord and Savior, that He died on the cross for your sins and mine. All you have to do is repent. Be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. Do that right now today. You don't have to know everything. You don't even have to understand everything. You just have to believe that and react to it. Let's stand together and sing, and we'll help you from there.